Um, why it's going to be a strange day is I'm studying theology, and one of my assignments is actually to preach in a specific format, in a specific way. So I have to do what they call a first-person um, sermon, basically. So to do that, I need a little bit of help. So I can have three volunteers. You don't need to do much. Okay, there's one, two, three. You can, you can stay seated. Okay, who wants to be the champion? The champion, there we go. That, that seems good, there we go. You can be the champion. Who wants to be king or queen? Yes, Belinda, here's your crown. <laughs> she makes Kamor our prophet. This is your staff. Prophet Kamor. Okay, now. Honestly, you don't actually have to do anything. That's just a, a joke to get us started. Uh, you can put it down. But a first-person sermon is, I'm going to basically embody somebody that's a biblical character. And our story is set with our champion, Goliath that is challenging the Israelites and the people of God. And we've got King Saul and we've got the prophet Samuel that are trying to prepare for battle. And we've got all of the wise counselors and advisors trying to understand what to do in the face of this insurmountable challenge. You've got a champion that's there and he's threatening. And now we've, we've called this audience. So I'm here privileged enough to address this incredible council. So, Honorable King Saul, the great prophet Samuel, and all the chief advisors, it is my privilege and honor to address you today. I understand, like it is strange for me, a, a foreigner, a previous Philistine, but now a grateful like, subject of Israel. I know there's fear spreading throughout the camp. The champion Goliath is towering over our greatest warriors. He's threatening and he is mocking. And he's mocking our, our soldiers. He's mocking our army. But more so, he's mocking our God. He's mocking the name of God. And I want to say we can have a solution for this. Because I've personally had a first-hand experience of something similar. Where we had been faced with insurmountable odds. We had been faced with a champion. We had been faced with stories of a champion that was so threatening and so damaging, so destructive, that it sounded like the stories were made up. They had been passed down from generation to generation, and it seemed like there was fables they were talking about this champion that was so strong, he could destroy everything in his path. That champion was Samson. There were stories of him defeating 10 men and then 30 men and then at one time even a thousand men. That was the man that we were facing and I could see fear was spreading everywhere. I was working in the prison at the time and I could see the fear spreading in the guards' eyes. These tough, strong men were melting like wax against this fear. 
So as much as we are facing a challenge now of similar proportions, I want to say we defeated our champion. And this is my story of how we defeated our champion. I can still remember the first day I saw him. I'd heard stories from the other orphans. We'd worked alongside each other. And honestly, the stories were first told in whispers. We were trying to tell each other these stories to terrify each other. And eventually I saw the story spreading to the guards. And they were in fear of him. These men that were so tough, they were so brutal. Yet they were terrified of Samson. Because there was a blazing rage that he could destroy anything in his path. Once I heard stories of him killing 30 men with his bare hands. And another where he ripped a lion apart as if it was just a little goat. He would be able to rip the king of the beasts apart with just his bare hands. His stories seemed to grow and grow and grow. The one was of him destroying a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. I never believed them. I thought they had to be exaggerated. It's like, what was the evidence that this could actually happen? And yet, one day I saw this was actually possible. The one story I, I, I remember, and I know it to be true because it was the day that I actually saw him for the first time, was when he came into Gaza and he ripped off the gates of the city, giant wooden doors that took like multiple men to even open the thing and he ripped them off of their hinges and he carried them up the hill and he set them on top of the hill overlooking Hebron. I can remember the sun coming up for the first time over those doors and it was just a symbol of our weakness and it was supposed to be the symbol of our strength and our prosperity and Samson had taken it and made it the symbol of our weakness. The reason why I saw him that night was I was on night duty and I heard him ripping the doors off and I went and looked and he was carrying them on his back in like I could see him in the moonlight. He was carrying it with such ease. And when I saw that, I just knew that all of the other stories were true. This Samson was empowered. I don't even know how, but he could do things that were impossible and he could blaze away everything in front of him. Every obstacle we put in his path could be destroyed. I was terrified because I heard we had captured him. And he had become famous, not only for his strength, but for his trickery. He would use riddles and he would use everything he could to deceive us time and time and time again. He would tell us that this is how he, would, he would, could be weak. And then he would, it would be a trick. And he had fooled us so many times, I thought this had to be another one of his tricks. And what's worse, not only had he been captured and was he going to be brought to the prison that I had to work in, I was the one who had to lead him around. I was the one who was going to lead this like, terrifying champion around. But the man I met was not the man I saw that night. When they brought him into the prison, his eyes had been gouged out, his hair had been shaved off, and everything that made him strong was gone. 
he looked like anybody else in that prison. Which made me actually question, I'm like, how could he do what he did? He was a man just like anybody else around us. There was nothing unique about him. His hair was gone. His courage was gone. His confidence was gone. He was a broken man. I'm not going to lie. Um, I went from being incredibly scared to quite proud of the fact that I could lead around Samson. He was like my toy. It's like I would lead him around like it was almost like a pet. Other orphans and I, we would take turns mocking him and hitting him and say, Hey, who hit you? It was a bit of a game for us. Provided endless source of entertainment for us. We took their champion, and now he was our plaything. He was going to be whatever we wanted him to be. We had taken the man that could destroy the king of the beasts with his bare hands to being our beast of burden. We strapped him to the mill, and he would serve us. But something began to change in him. After weeks, maybe even months of grinding at the mill and me leading him around, we became friends. He was an incredible storyteller, and he had stories to tell. Stories of violence, and like I heard the stories from, just from him himself, of how he was empowered and he strengthened to defeat these men, and anything he wanted to do, he could do. The stories of romance. He told me of the, the day he saw the prettiest girl. So this Philistine girl, and he's not going to lie, it was the fact that she was a Philistine made it all the better because they were our oppressors. Like, we were oppressing them. And he, he would say, like, man, I, he knew it offended his parents a little bit, but the fact that it offended the Philistines was all the better. And he could win this girl over. He was trying to play a trick on them. It's like at their marriage, he actually said, he made up a riddle. Out of, the, out of the eater comes something to eat. Out of the strong comes something sweet. They never would have understood because they didn't know the story that it was a part of how he had ripped that lion apart and bees had made their home there and given them honey. He left out the fact that that was actually part of the start of his compromise. And he wasn't supposed to touch a dead body. He wasn't supposed to be eating things like that. And he knew that he was compromising on his commitment to God because he was called to be set apart. But when he was in the prison, he started to realize that actually he had been driven by these passions and he had been driven by his rage and he was starting to actually see that there was something different. But he played a trick on these Philistines at the wedding because he wanted to become rich. He thought he was going to have it all. Not only was he going to get this beautiful bride, and his passion could be satisfied. He was only going to be rich. And he, he, everything that he wanted to do, he could do. He told me about the love of his life was Delilah. I know it's complicated, but every romance like really is. It's, there were reasons why they shouldn't be together. And there was reasons why he really wanted them to be together. He told me about how much the betrayal hurt him. She betrayed him time and time and time again. And he kept believing that she would change. He kept hoping that, hoped against hope that actually maybe she would change. 
Maybe she would actually trust him this time. Maybe she wouldn't betray him and go back to the Philistines. He realized later that he had literally been blinded by love. He trusted her and she let him down. But he trusted her so much that he lost his eyes. Samson, ever the Riddler, realized this and he actually said, like, man, I behaved like an animal. Now I'm treated like one. I went from killing the king of the beasts to acting like a beast myself to being yoked by like a beast of burden. He was trying to set the Israelites free from 40 years of slavery to the Philistines. And he realized he had been behaving just like one of these Philistines. A slave to his passions, a slave to his desires, a slave to every whim. He realized he was as much in bondage to his own desires as what he was to the Philistines themselves. Then he told me about his parents. I could see the disappointment and I could hear it in his voice. I could see it in his mannerisms. He had been the miracle child. They, his mother was barren and they came and said, actually, you are going to have a son. And he is going to be the one that brings light out of the darkness. He's going to be the one who starts the freedom. He's going to be the one that starts to bring freedom to our people. By his own admission, Samson said this went to his head a little bit. From when he was young, he was promised that he is going to be something special. He's going to be set apart. He can't eat what everybody else eats. He can't drink what everybody else drinks. He can't cut his hair like everybody else. So he stood out. But when he started to be stronger than everybody around him, it started to make sense. And he started to enjoy it a little bit. But he realized now in the bowels of the prison, he could see, I could see, that he still believed that God could change the situation. He still believed somehow that despite him losing his strength, despite him losing his eyesight, despite him being in the pit of captivity, God could turn the situation around. It was this faith that started to make me doubt my allegiance to Dagon and start investigating this God of the Israelites. How could this man, who was no better than any other prisoner, be this champion? Have you not seen the size of our champions? This guy's as small as everybody else, and yet he destroys a thousand of our men. So despite these actions, despite my friendship, none of this really changed me. What changed me was Samson's final act. It was one of our famous parties, the our elite had thrown this party and they were sacrificing and they were celebrating Dagon. And what better way to celebrate than to bring in this champion, this captured champion, this crippled champion. He was now our plaything. We brought him in and we would bring him in to do a song and dance and to entertain us. Just the fact that he was there was our entertainment. Displaying the, just the destruction of our enemy. But there was something different about him today. I remember coming into his cell that morning and there was something different about Samson. I caught him on his knees, but he wouldn't tell me what he meant 
when he said today was going to be different. What he did say was that I needed to stick close to him and listen to everything he said. He asked me to take him to the, the pillars that were the support of the entire house and to position him up against them. So he positioned like his one hand against the one, ha- one pillar and his one hand against the other pillar. And this was unique. He'd never done this before. But he told me to come close to him as he did it. And what he did was he used all of his strength to pull those pillars down. And he pulled down the entire building on top of all of us. And he covered over me with his body. And with his last act, I could hear him saying, Lord, one last time, give me strength to save my people. And by doing that, he covered over me. And the entire building came out falling down around the rest of us. And he destroyed everybody there. And with his final act, he killed more Philistines than he had the rest of his entire life. But he saved me. I was an orphan boy that didn't deserve any of this. And I don't know how long I spent lying in that rubble. It was hours or days. But eventually they dug me up and his brothers came and actually they took his body and they brought me with. And they brought me back to Israel. So I want to say, despite the champion that is challenging us now, doesn't matter what obstacle we are facing, doesn't matter what we have done the rest of our lives, we can trust God to defeat our enemy. Because I realize that us as Philistines, we didn't defeat Samson. He defeated himself. It was his own arrogance and pride that got him defeated. So Honorable King and Great Prophet Samuel and the trusted advisors, I humbly suggest that we not be influenced by the champion of the enemy, but rather look to God for our solution. I know that our situation may seem desperate at the moment, with no resolution in sight, but let us learn from Samson's life. It is never too late to trust God to intervene, no matter how you may have failed before. As threatening as the enemy seems to you, This saying is true. Man looks on the outside, but God looks at the heart. Therefore, I do not, and we do not, need to rely on our physical strength, but rather on the power of God. We serve the same God who says, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Finally, in honor of Samson's love of riddles, I believe we will see the following being true from the death of both great champions. Out of the fighter came the beginning of peace. Out of his death came a new lease of life. That was true of Samson, and I believe it will be true of Goliath. We may not know what to do, but let us place our trust in God and again believe that he will provide a champion for us that has a heart after God. Samson's blazing passion and power was not what Israel needed to save them, but rather he accomplished more through his faith-filled self-sacrifice. I'm going to break character a little bit now because I can't help but see and be amazed at Samson's story. The promised deliverer 
called to be a Nazarite, set apart for God's purpose, with a blazing passion, carrying the symbol of the world's strength up a hill and eventually laying down his life in one final act of obedience. There are clearly some interesting parallels and contrasts with David defeating Goliath as they both foreshadow the ultimate promised deliverer, the Nazarene, set apart for the Father's purpose. With a blazing love for the world, he carried the symbol of Rome's power up Golgotha and laid down his life in the ultimate act of obedience to set us free from our slavery to sin. That is why we are here to celebrate and remember Jesus Christ, our Lord, the strongest man in history, who with his final act covered over us and saved us. The death of our king brought us peace. The sacrificial death is surprisingly sweet. We do not need the blazing passion and power to save and serve the world, but rather we need the humility and faith to trust Jesus' sacrifice. Lord, I pray that you would take Samson's story and his blazing passion and his uncontrolled desires and his slavery to sin and show us where we live similarly. To see where we are slaves to our unforgiveness and slaves to our rage and slaves to our sensuality, slaves to our eating, slaves to everything that has hurt us. Have we been hurt by sin? Absolutely. But Lord, through your self-sacrificial love, you put your hands on the pillars that supported like this worldly structure and pulled them down as you lay down your life for us. We're going to take communion now. I don't particularly like having such a predefined sermon or a predefined story, but I was captured by this story. And I think we always tell it as Samson was this incredible hero, and he was. He's a hero of the faith, not because of like almost his successes but actually because he had faith even after he had failed to trust God one last time. So the same for you guys. Like, There's always one last time. You can always trust God again and again and again and again. And actually, the world wants us to focus on the fact that it's like, man, these are our strengths. but it was actually in his humility and his sacrifice and his, his willingness to actually say, you know what, God, I've messed up everything, but would you trust me one more time to bring freedom?
Thank you, Jesus, that you are like the ultimate deliverer. You are the ultimate judge. You are the, the one that was promised and prophesied that would bring freedom and peace to the entire world. That you usher us in, that you are an example, but more than that, you're our, our Savior. You're our Lord. You're our friend. Thank you for your body. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for what it means for us.